Hello and welcome to Sit Down, Shut Up and Listen. Today's guest, I have here my good friend Jacob. Hello, I'm Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Jacob. So I met Jacob uh, where I pretty much met everyone else that I have brought onto this podcast. And that was a meetup. So, yeah. yeah. Jacob's a really cool guy. He's uber smart and nerdy, just like Weird Al. Uh, he's also white. Yeah, and like I Weird Al. also wanted to play the accordion, but I, uh, my mom never bought it for me. So, you know, that's the one difference between me and him. Right. You guys are very, very tight. Similar, except for that one accordion-based respect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you really were trying to think, ah, oh, Jacob... What is this guy like? Just picture Weird Al and think about all of his attributes, and you pretty much got a Jacob, no accordion. Yes. Well, welcome. Hi. Glad to be here. Yeah, great. So today, we're going to talk about how to be an exceptional conversationalist. It's more how to be a better conversationalist than you used to be. I don't consider myself an exceptional conversationalist, but if you had met me five years ago, you'd be like, wow, this guy is way better at talking. So, okay, so if I met you five years ago, do you think we would hang out or because, or would it, would I feel like you're kind of socially awkward? Like, I don't know what to do. I don't think it would be socially awkward, more just like kind of the the way that you can't describe if somebody like just... uh, Talking a lot, but just kind of droning on about themselves or whatever. The, the things that, like... Oh, uh, was that you? Yeah. Because I, I, like, I feel like there's kind of people who are just, like, quiet and then people who are talkative but not in the right ways. And yeah. And both people are not that fun to talk to. And Yeah. So you're the person that would just talk and talk and talk and not shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good because people get disengaged very quickly. Yeah, the I best, could see their eyes glazing over. Yeah, the best. And you would still go? I was like, there's no awkward silences, so that's this is a successful conversation. Oh, God, no way. No yeah. way. The best type of conversation is a two-way conversation. Yes. That's true. It's a tennis game. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's not what I'm going to talk about. And that's, that part's obvious. Everyone knows that. All right, so you have these three big points to share, like these three things to help you become a better conversationalist. Yeah. All right, let's let's go. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. uh Jesus. Uh, number oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. so yeah, let's get started. Okay. So the first point is asking interested follow-up questions. So, like the biggest tip that people give in terms of being a good conversationalist is asking a lot of questions, but. Usually what happens when people take this to heart is that it ends up feeling like a job interview. So when you meet a new person at Meetup, a pretty standard kind of uh, way is that they'll be like, oh, are you local? Oh, where'd you move here from? What brought you down here? Oh, what do you do for work? Oh, what do you do for fun? But like, not, and so that is asking a lot of questions, but there's, the, the thing is that nothing that they're asking depended on the thing that you said. So they're not actually giving any indication that they are paying any attention to what you're saying. And so when I say asking interested follow-up questions, what I'm talking about is basically asking questions that show that you're interested in what they're saying, and like by, 
by definition, that basically means it has to be dependent on, on what they just said. So, like, if, right. if you said, uh, where'd you move from? And then they say Seattle, and you're like, oh, and it's, if, you, if you were from Seattle, you'd, of course, be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm from, oh, I, just, I live in Seattle, too, or whatever. But if you, if you don't know anything about Seattle, and then you just move on to the next question, like, oh, what brought you down here? It's like, what's the point of even asking them that? Because you weren't acknowledging what they were saying. So even a question like, oh, wow, it's so different from here. Like, uh, like what, was there a culture shock when you moved here? Or what's the biggest thing you miss about that? Just the fact that that, that, that would not be a, that would be a stupid question to ask if they said they moved here from Orlando, which is two hours away. And so just indicating some sort of question that shows that you're paying attention to what they're saying, I think is a huge part of kind of engaging with a person. And so I try to do this like almost to almost everything somebody says, unless it's something that I really have a personal connection with, uh, because I think that it, it first it extends the conversation because usually the problem is running out of stuff to talk about. And then second, it's the just it's kind of just it's that people can't read your mind. And so you have to kind of demonstrate to them that you are paying attention to what they're saying and actually interested in. It. Is this something that you think is like obvious or what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I really like that you brought that up I think learning that is not easy that definitely is something that needs to be modeled for a lot of people that's not something that you just um, naturally know what to do some people can learn that from observe I think you really learn it from observation like I think you did right you're like trying to intentionally learn how to converse and by being intentional about it, you pick up on it. Um, but when you're talking, I thought of three different things. The first one is to, to fucking talk slower. Holy shit. <laughs> I thought I was talking slow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you were talking pretty fast. Yeah. I would talk a little slower. Um, my second thing was how many people that you've met since moving here from Seattle, because I know that's where you came from, uh, especially at Meetup, how many people do you think ask those follow-up relevant questions? Maybe like, like what- 10% of people. It's, it's, it's crazy how low it is. So the, the person who, who is... Uh, so, so Harry, who was a couple podcasts ago, is the person who does... It's almost his entire personality is asking interested follow-up questions. I know, he's so good at it. And so that's... And that's... So we, I, as I was saying, I was very analytical about, you know, about talking about the people I met. Is that... Is, is Harry the one that made you think, oh, I want to talk like that, or...? No, I mean, because I, I, it was something that I just... I had always kind of, you know, heard ask a lot of questions, but I feel like... I always felt that it was awkward to just keep asking questions. But I, then I realized that the bigger point is to just demonstrate, like, interest in what the person is saying by asking questions. So I kind of, I try to do it, like, one thing per topic. I mean, I'll do more than one if the person really wants to talk about it. But I try to kind of keep it to, like, um, you know, because it's, it's annoying if you just keep asking somebody questions about the same thing and, they, and they're kind of done talking about that topic. But, yeah, so basically anything somebody says, and, and it just, it's just a... Yeah, it just felt like, because it just felt like when I was talking to somebody and they didn't do that, it felt like, okay, then why, why'd you even ask me if, if you don't, if you clearly don't care about whatever I just said? Right. If you notice that their questions are not great follow-up questions, they're just kind of hitting the surface level randomly, you, and you're a good conversationalist and you can pick up on that, you tend to get disengaged. 
And yeah. you're the one asking questions. Yeah. So you're like, ah, I don't want to really put my time into this. And I'm the one that's, you know, initiating this. This is not worth it for me. Yeah, because, I mean, so I'd say, like, half of people don't ask questions at all. And then of those people who do, like... That's tw- true. Oh, my gosh. Literally, half of people don't even freaking ask. 80% of people who do ask, they just ask. They'll just hit the hit the surface level questions. Yeah. And then never ask They're any follow-up. They're not strategic about it. The, the thing that actually made me realize this was a... This could be a class. How yeah. to freaking talk. <laughs> was it was a board game meetup. Because... It was, it, was, it, was a very, it, was, it was not one of our casual board game meetups. It was a really nerdy board game meetup with all the really hardcore board game players. And I, and, I, and I would observe their conversations, and literally they would talk for like half an hour, and it would just be two people monologuing to each other without anyone... They, they were, they're Did literally, they enjoy it? I think so. What the hell? So basically this is how it would go. It would be like one person being like, oh, I played this... I played uh, Kings of Shmuley uh, on, uh, you know, on your state. And they're like... And they wouldn't, the person wouldn't ask, what do you think of it? They would just start being like, uh, oh, it was kind of... It was okay... To make, I played King of Shmuley uh, a couple of days ago. It was okay. Like, the turns took kind of a long time. And, like, it was just a little bit boring. And the other person would be like, dude, I played Queens of Googlog uh, three weeks ago. And it was the same thing. Like, the turns... And then they would just each have a conversation... They would just have a conversation with themselves about one of them about Kings of Shmuley and the other ones about Queens of Gulag. And, like... And it just felt like two people monologuing to each other. And I was like, this is a crazy way of conversing with people. To just... To just- I, would be, I would be out. I'd be like, thank you, no, thank you. Thank you, next. I, Hashtag Ariana Grande. But I, I think that... Because there's definitely nerdy people, like, who associate people with friends, right? And so I think that's just a common way of people conversing. Who, right. Who, Some people just might find their people through that means of connection. Like, oh, I'm the kind of person that talks like this, and I'm going to find other people that talk like this. Yeah. And, right? Like, that's just kind of yeah. how they connect. I still think you need to talk slower and finish your thoughts. Because <laughs> you'd be like, bleh, bleh. like, I'm sorry, I'm being an asshole. But it's also true. And I also need to shut off the fan. Because <laughs> I don't want that background noise to be... I, I, think, I think that you... I think we're talking at the same level of quickness. And you don't realize that you also... Oh, no! I hope I think, not. I think you have to uh, put this to like some sort of word per minute thing you, on, on you, the computer. And then see <laughs> if, if I'm actually talking any faster than you. You know what's funny is... I tend to be reflective of other people's personas, personalities. So if you're acting a certain way, I will try to reflect your behavior to be more likable. Yeah. And I will do that with everybody. So if you're in a serious mood, I'll be serious to just kind of get on your level. If you're being super silly, I'll be super silly to get on your level and be more likable. Like... And it's so a classic maybe, uh, pickup artist technique. Is that is that where you learned that from? Pickup artist. You don't know about pickup artists? Uh oh, am I naive? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I I wanted to be part of. I I wanted to be clear that like that's not where my thing is coming from because a lot of the stuff about being a better being a better conversationalist and stuff it's often from the perspective of like how to change your personality to pick up women or whatever. But that's that's a different thing than oh. what I'm talking about. Oh, you're... <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's hilarious. Um, no, I'm just like that. So, you, so that, was never a, that was never a conscious decision. Decision. It's just your natural... Yeah, I think I just... I think a lot of it's just observation. I also... Okay, you know what? So I'm very accent prone. I can do a lot of accents as well. And so I think I picked up on my accents as well as like... Um, good conversation habits 
from watching, I hate saying this, but from watching a shit ton of TV. Yeah. When I was a child, all the way through, like, college, I watched a lot. So I feel like I'm more stupid because of that, but I think I've learned a lot of human behavior and the accents from watching so much TV. That's that does that's completely makes sense. Have you met one of those kids whose like parents wouldn't let them watch anything? They're all they're all weird. All the homeschooled kids. All I the wish kids I had who, more of a balance though. Because I didn't I didn't read it all, and so I feel like less. I feel more. I don't all know, reading I does is you have you know a bunch of big words you don't know how to pronounce, and then you try to <laughs> use them in conversation. Everyone makes fun of you because you call it. Is that you? You call it epitome instead of epitome or whatever. <laughs> So reading is bullshit. <laughs> that is so funny. That's really funny. Um, okay, we're still like on your first point of the follow-up questions. But I have a question. Yeah. What inspired you to like start consciously thinking about being a better conversationalist? What inspired you? What inspired me was the fact that like I would go out and like on either on a date or just with people and then um, be like, I, and be like, I thought that I thought that was very successful. It seemed like they thought it was funny, and that we talked the whole time. But they didn't seem to want to hang out with me again. <laughs> uh, so, how long ago was this that you were like, okay? It was. Like, it's gotta change. It was. It was probably like a couple of years ago, but I didn't really have that many social interactions because, like, I was just working and like I wasn't going. I wasn't really meeting people, uh, and so. It wasn't until I moved here where I had like a like I met like a hundred people in the span of like four okay. months where I could really rapidly um, kind of work on it. Yeah. Gotcha. So you noticed it and you started trying it a couple of years ago, but then here you really got to put it into practice. Yeah, and these kind of these three tips didn't really even become like a the explicit thing until very recently because I I just kind of you know I didn't really know how to phrase the kind of attributes that I that I liked in other people, you know, until I really thought about it. Like, what are, like, how can I kind of condense these into a small number of tips? Gotcha. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, we were talking about how um, so many people that we've met through Meetup, like, half of them don't even initiate a conversation. Yeah. But of those people that do... There's so many people that don't know how to ask the right questions yeah. to engage people in conversation. Why do you think that percentage is so low? Why don't people know how to engage others well? I think it's... Um, I think that part of it's what I was saying is that a lot of people's minds, like, as long as there is... As long as there's just words happening the entire time, they're like, that was a successful conversation. And so, when they're talking to another, when they're talking to somebody who's, who's has good, who's who's got good social skills, then basically the other person can kind of do all the heavy lifting, and they come out of it going, that was good. And when the and when they're talking to somebody who's also quiet, then they're like, well, this person was quiet and awkward anyway, so I don't really, unless it's somebody they really click with over some shared interest or whatever, and they're like, well, you know, it wasn't my fault that person didn't know how to talk. Um, Hmm. And I think it's not natural. I think it's much more natural to just kind of drone on about stuff. You think it's more natural to drone on about stuff? Yeah, that's why people, more people do it. Mm. I think... I don't know. I think... 
having the right kinds of conversations or like the really great kinds of conversations isn't I don't know it's it's like it's a skill it's a skill and it's not modeled enough it, it is a it's sk- not taught enough and I think technology hinders us too like a lot of people watch people monologuing a lot yeah. on on uh, TikTok or YouTube or whatever so we're used to seeing that and also when we watch it we're not talking or practicing social skills ourselves so we're only hurting our um, I don't know ourselves we're hurting yeah. we're just not we're not putting ourselves into practice to be better conversationalists yeah and and I, and I think that people are inherently just self you know people are egotistical well people are naturally self-absorbed because you're the only like no matter how much you understand that this like everyone's the main character of their own internal monologue because you're the only person who exists in your own you know yeah and so and so yeah i think that it's and it's true that it's a skill because people and people think that like if you if you kind of practice it either it means that you are like on the autism spectrum and masking or like a pickup artist basically and that and that normal people wouldn't need to to practice you know mm, skills yeah but we met enough people <laughs> they were normal but that just don't know what to do yeah. Uh, yeah all right let's move on to the second point okay the s- second point is uh basically to um is because if you just if you just ask a lot of questions, right? It's still you can still feel like an interview, even if it's like a good interview, like an NPR interview rather than like a job interview. But it's still an interview, right? So you want to kind of bond with people over interests and, and things. And, and but the 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 kind of the subtlety is to bond with people without like one upping them or bragging or talking over them, because I think a lot of the times one person will perceive it as bonding over a shared interest, and the other person will perceive it as like one-upping them or bragging or whatever. So if somebody's just went on a trip to London and they're really excited to talk about the trip and then you're like, what did you do for the trip? And then they're like, I went to London for two weeks. And they clearly want to talk about it. And then it's fine to be like, oh, cool, yeah, like I, yeah, oh, yeah, I was there last year or whatever if you if you were in London last year. But then if you just kind of start If you over, go on and on if you, and if on, you kind of, it's like, okay. Yeah, if you kind of, if they want to talk about their trip and now you're kind of, now talking about your own thing on top of them, then it's kind of like they're gonna feel like, dude, let me talk about my my shit. I was I was gonna tell you my story about London, but you still kind of wanna. You don't. It would be also weird if you just asked them a lot of questions and never mentioned that you did a bunch of the same things they did. So it's kind of like the trade off between bonding with them but still letting them tell their story. And then similarly, if let's say you're a big traveler, and you're like, okay, I want to bond with this person over travel because clearly they're a big traveler too. And then after they're done talking and they tell their story about London for five to ten minutes, it's your turn to talk, right? So it's fine for you to talk. But then if you just start going on, like, oh, I was in Bali last year and I was in Paris. If it turns out that that was, like, their only trip and that, they, and that you know, they're not actually a big world traveler and they feel kind of embarrassed about that, then you kind of going on about your stuff is now going to kind of, um, like, maybe feel like you're one-upping them. And so it's better to kind of get a feeler out to be like, oh, are you a big traveler? And if they say, yeah, then you can kind of bond back and forth about it. But if they say no, like, oh yeah, they're like, they're like I really wanted to travel more, but you know, it costs a lot of money and I have my kids and my job. Then it's fine to talk about like one trip you went on because you're still keeping it at the same level as them and you're not 
And so you're kind of, you're both exchanging stories about one trip. And then later on, maybe you can talk about, you know, uh, your other travels. But when it comes up more organically, rather than talking about it right now, where it's going to be perceived as like trying to be better than them or whatever. I totally got what you're saying. Um, this is where having a conversation as a two-way street is really important. I think it's, that's really pretty much for the most part always important having that fair share back and forth um right you want to share bonding you want to find your commonalities that's how that back and forth is easily done and if you one up one another the other person's like okay this is not fun anymore yeah um and again i think that's that happens with practice and being able to read people yeah I think something else is like, okay, I actually had a conversation today with someone where she just monologued the shit out of me. Yeah. And I was showing so many signs that I was not interested. Yeah, you're tapping but, but, your watch. But I, but I don't like leave until she's done because I don't want to be an ass, right? Yeah. And she was telling me like such honestly tragic things. Like she had a lot of family shit. So I really don't want to be an ass and just be like, okay. Although, okay, well, so she was monologuing at me for, like, minutes and minutes and minutes, and I'm like, okay, I, I just can't do this anymore. You're like, okay, so, mom, so, I know the dad died. Can we just get off the phone? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is what I was doing. So at first, I'm, like, engaged, I'm listening, and as the time clicks by, like, the talk clicks on, I'm, I start kind of getting a little antsy. Yeah. So I'm kind of like walking a little bit, kind of like patting my feet around. Was this a real life interaction? This is, or was it, oh, yes, oh, this was fun. real life today okay. at school. The teacher, actually, so she was a teacher, and she just had a lot going on at home, and she was in the middle of grading, and uh, but she just had this on her mind, and so I let her talk, but again, as time goes by, I get a little bit antsy, because she doesn't, it's, it's, I, I didn't even ask anything, she just like drops everything, and she just spews it at me. Which is, which is fine, especially if there's a lot going on. But, oh my god. Alright, so after I get a little bit antsy, I start kind of like looking in different directions. I can't look at her anymore because she's doing a lot of like hard things. She never even asked, and this is kind of normal for her actually. She Not once has she asked me anything about her. I ask her so many questions about her teaching about her personal life so i know a yeah. lot about her she would tell you nothing yeah about me she's never asked anything about me so it's hard for me also to stay engaged when i know that i've asked her personal questions i've yeah. asked her professional questions and she's asked me shit right um and she so, probably thinks of you as like one of her she's like that's jen she's one of my closest friends at school right right she's and you right and she thinks of me as like um the confidant well no, probably not a closest a closest friend, but she probably thinks we're tighter than we are. Yeah. Let's say that. And I'm kind of at the point, I'm like, I actually have to say I have to go to the bathroom because she's not going to stop. Yeah. And I actually end up going to another teacher's room. And I'm like, I'm sorry I had to be in here for a second because, you know, this teacher is just, she's saying a lot and she's not... There's, like, no breath in between her words, and I just feel honestly overwhelmed with everything she's telling me. And uh, the teacher was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. This is, like, your safe room right now. 
And she was, the other teacher was saying, like, sometimes I feel like I have to walk away because I don't know if she's just going to, like, <laughs> lay it all on me. Yeah. And, and I was giving cues. I was, like, getting antsy. I was starting to walk around. I was starting to back away towards the door. And I couldn't look at her. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't ask follow-up questions because she, like, there was no, there yeah. was no silence. So, um... Yeah, I think that people, I think that people are just kind she of... She couldn't pick up on that. Yeah, I think that people, like, I wouldn't call it, like, a personality disorder, but I think there's a lot of people who are just, like... They can't too read too self-absorbed the and, like, yeah. Right, they're so in their story, and I get how people are in their story, but you also, if you want people to care about your story, you gotta care about the people. Yeah. So, I think that is so fucking huge. Yeah. Um, all right, third point. <laughs> Okay, so the third point is to well, it's what? <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 this is when you're trying to make people like you, regardless of how much you care whether you like them. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's I like it's, it. I it's like to it. uh, basically always support stories and anecdotes, and by that I mean, um, like if somebody's a really good storyteller, then you'll naturally like just be paying attention to them and and then laugh at the right moment because it'll be clear what the right moment is and it'll be actually be funny, etc. But if somebody's like not a good storyteller and they're kind of awkward and they're telling a story, you have to pay way more attention to what they're trying to do and to actually actively figure out like, okay, is this a funny story? Is this a sad story? Are they trying to be like, oh my God, that sucks. And then where is like the punchline if there is one and then give them some sort of reaction that kind of indicates that you get where they're coming from. Otherwise it's going to be super awkward and they're going to feel shitty. And so, like, and people often don't do this, and they'll be, and they'll be like, "Oh, so what else happened?" And it's like, it's pretty clear nothing else happened. They would have told you they, they, if they forgot the really funny part. Like, whatever the story they told is the story. And so, you know, give them the appropriate reaction, and then, um, and then you know, like move on or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, and so yeah, I think that that. And then I think even beyond that, when somebody's telling a complex story, I think a good way to kind of to kind of show because again, this is people not being able to like read your mind, right? So if you kind of if somebody's telling a complex story that has like a complex point, then often like repeating back the whole thing, like not re- like repeating back the point is a good way to do it. So, for example, this is a this is a made up story. So imagine somebody a girl is telling a story where she's like, okay, so I was outside of I was I was leaving the bar, I was by myself, like my friends had went the other way. And then this guy starts running after me, yelling, hey, you stop, you stop. And he's running as fast as he can. Like he's running right towards me. And I just freeze. I'm like so freaked out. He's like, hey, you stop. And then he runs past me and he's, and he gives a phone to this woman who's, I think her name was actually you because it's like an Asian name. And it turned out that was just a crazy coincidence, right? So it's like a funny story, but like the, the kind of the bigger point is that it's, she's, she's telling it, it has a multifaceted point where it's like she had this really scary experience that also happened to have a funny ending that's kind of this crazy farcical ending right and so being like oh my god that would be so scary I mean it's glad it turned out to be funny but like that would be terrifying like you're literally just repeating back the point of the story but whereas other people might be like oh that's so funny but then by, by kind of indicating that you get the exact point of the story because people can't read your mind they'll be like oh this, this person gets me like we're on the same wavelength and so that's something that I try to do is to always, like, support a person's story by, by figuring out where the punchline is, what the point they're trying to make is, and kind of indicate that I'm getting that. 
Wow. Yeah, you have to be very on. Yeah, it's it, the worst. The worst a storyteller somebody is, the the more mental you power on. you have to. Yeah, <laughs> to do. you have to be very on for that. Um, to support anecdotes with appropriate emotional um, responses and wordy responses. Um, that's it. Yeah, it takes a lot of brain power. Yeah, and uh, it takes a lot of. You have to be good at reading people as well. And just being an active listener. Yeah, it just, it just takes a lot of, you know, yeah. It just takes effort. And the ironic thing is that the, the but kind of the worse a conversationalist somebody is, the more effort it takes to talk to them. So it almost feels like, what's the point? Unless you're just right. trying For to some, be a good meetup host or whatever. Right. For some people, it's I feel like it's like work. The problem is we're such lazy asses nowadays. Yeah. And we're so egocentric that it's... Okay, we're lazy asses, we're egocentric, but everyone's like, I'm so lonely, I want a friend. And it's like, put in the fucking work. Because it is. It is work to build a relationship. It's yeah. a two-way street. And if you want it to work out, both people have to put in the effort. You yeah. Know? And I think a lot of people's a lot of people's opinion is that, like, oh, what's the point of, like, changing myself because... I'm not going to be able to keep it up forever. So if somebody doesn't like me, then they don't like me. And if somebody does like me, then they'll be their friend. But I think that the level of rapport that you have with somebody, people will perceive different things differently. Like if your best friend had something that she was really excited about and just talked to you for an hour about her new boyfriend or cutting into some college or like something that she was like, or her new hobby or whatever, then you probably would just listen and it would be fine because she's your best friend. And so you don't mind. But if somebody you just met, like if you had just met her and she did the same thing, you would never become friends with her. And so it's more important when you're establishing a relationship to kind of have the general... Right. Good, and then you can kind of back off to your normal, self-absorbed, you know, asshole self or whatever it may be for various people. That's kind of true. You have to put more of yourself into someone else at first, and then you can kind of back off a little. But you can't back off completely. Like, you always have to care. Yeah. I think that these tips are good even, like... Even no matter long, how established, yeah, like you whether are. it's a twenty-year marriage, you still, if you know, probably especially that yeah. it's definitely like it fluctuates. Yeah, it definitely fluctuates. Um, I'm just. Do you feel like you've gone a long way with with how much of a how good of a conversationalist you've become? I think yeah. I think that in general, it's uh, it's harder when you're somebody who's not. I think it's easiest for people who are naturally talkative to kind of just shift themselves a little bit. I think I don't have as much advice for people who are just super quiet and just like, I, I don't know what to say at any given time. Like, you can practice some of the stuff. Like, uh, you can practice... You don't um, have any advice for some for people that are, like, kind of socially awkward or quiet or shy? Well, okay, so... I would say, get the fuck out. Like, sorry. But, like, go out. Like, get out of your comfort zone. That's number one. And go to somewhere like a meetup. Like, try to, I don't know, go on Bumble, go on Meetup, go on a dating app. Because the more practice you get, the better you're going to be at it. They just have to get out of their comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, I don't, I guess, I don't know, I don't know that many, I haven't met that many people like at Meetup who were super quiet the first couple times I met them who've gotten out, other than through alcohol. 
which is, you know, that's also my, that's also great advice. Yeah, definitely have a couple <laughs> drinks. Take a few drinks. Um, but also, I think, like, for those people that are, are nervous or a little awkward at first, everyone is so busy focused on themselves. So if you're really nervous about how others will perceive you... It Don't. does contradict what I said at the beginning, which is that I've been, I've analyzed every single person that I've met. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. And, uh, but, but that's but just most, me. But yeah, that, that is, that is honestly very much just you. A lot of people are very, like, focused on how they look, what they say, what they're, like, like, very self-focused because they're just thinking about how others perceive them. So if you go in with that mentality, Relax. Because I would say a lot of people are very hyper-focused on the way they are. And so you should just worry about nothing. Like, just fucking chill. Smoke some weed. Just don't do that. Just kidding. I don't do that. (laughs) Just relax. Like, focus on just having a good time. And then you'll actually do better. Because the more nervous you are, the suckier you're going to be. And the more you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. The more you're just, you're actually going to relax and have a good time. There, there are, but like, I mean, being quiet or being talkative is not necessarily like the, a bad thing. Yeah, because there, there's it's definitely a, yeah, people at the at the meetup who are more quiet, but are still, still have friends. Right, and it's still, and it, people still like them because you they're know, just chill. They're more just, yeah. just yeah, laid back. But like, I do think like like the the question <laughs> thing, you can practice that without actually even going out. Like going, just listening to a podcast. And then when somebody's telling something, just pause it and be like, okay, if I were the host, what are, or I were talking to this person, they said this, what are things what that I could that? ask them? Or what, what, yeah, what, what, what's ways that I could relate to them? And, and that's a way to like practice without even True. actually, uh, you know. True that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have one, one more meta point on, uh, it's, about, it's about humor in, in conversation. Yeah. So it kind of relates to the other three. So... I think that one of the best ways to, like, be funny is to do it in a way that supports people's anecdotes or stories. So, like, if, if so, like, that, that kind of that weird anecdote, I, I, fake anecdote I just told about the woman being chased down. If, if, you, if you made a follow-up joke that was, like, and then the next day uh, a guy ran out screaming, I'm going to murder you, and it turns out I'm going to murder you is a name in Swahili, that's a good joke to make because... <laughs> It's, it's supporting their story. It's not just saying it's funny or not. I'm saying the point is that it's, you're, you're getting at the point of their story, right? But if you had said, which is that it was a scary experience that turned out to be funny, right? So you're just creating an exaggerated version of that same thing. But if you were like, if you made a joke like, why do women think that men are always trying to murder them? Is it true crime podcasts that make women think that men are always trying to murder them? That's undermining their story, right? And so it's, it's, it's going to create like a hostile thing and then the guy's probably gonna be like i was just joking and she's gonna be like no it was actually it was really scary a guy's running at me right and so but but in another so here's, here's another scenario right so a woman is saying she takes her dog out to pee at 1 a.m she opens up her door she's like i opened up my door there was a guy standing in my yard dressed in all black staring at me i scream as loud as i can i flip on the porch light and i see it was actually the halloween decorations that i put up five hours ago and then everyone laughs and then the guy makes a joke going uh and then you went back into your bedroom and you were like, oh my God, there's a man in my bed. Oh no, wait, no, this is my husband, right? That's a similar <laughs> joke you're making fun of her, but it's a completely different perception because the point of her story was that she was a dumbass. She wasn't actually trying to garner genuine sympathy, right? And so by making fun of her there, you're actually supporting the story. 
And so using humor in a way that doesn't undermine people, which is something that actually was hard. That I, I think I, I did it the wrong way for a long time, that I would use, I, w- I would make jokes that would undermine someone's story or like make fun of them in a way that was not supporting what they were saying. Because people tell self-deprecating stories a lot. So that's a good place to kind of, um, you know, make jokes that are kind of razzy or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just in general, humor that kind of supports people even if that even if that support is making fun of them because they are telling a story about how they're an idiot, is kind of generally the best way to, <laughs> to be human. That's funny. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that added point. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that's a really good point. I think all of these are really good. So I'm just going to recap your three points. Yeah. So you think... Uh, to have a better conversation, you need these three things. Number one, to have relevant follow-up questions. Number two, to when you're sharing information or a story with someone, to bond with someone and not brag. And number three, to support anecdotes with appropriate words and emotions. Yes. And to use humor to support their stories as well. Yeah. I think those are really, really good. What are, what are your kind of thoughts on... Um, so, like, you've, you've gone on a, a number of, of dates since, you know, in the last few years, right? So, how often do you feel that, like, you don't... You feel like the guy probably thought the date went well. And the problem wasn't physical attraction. It was, it was personality. But that, but that, you know, there wasn't, but that you felt that they didn't go well. That's hilarious. That's usually the maker or breaker, actually, is the conversation. Yeah, because, I mean, it's a self-selecting, because if, especially if you're doing online dating, you're only going to go with guys you find attractive to begin with physically, right? So it's, 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 I think it's usually going to be that. But in your case, do you think that usually the guy perceived it as being a much better conversation because you're, because you're outgoing and good at talking than you did? Or was it mostly that you've, you kind of... I Wait, mean, you do you no, mean when we're on the date? Are you talking about when we're already on the date or over text? Well, when, you, when you're on the date and then you later reject him or for a second date, <laughs> do, does the guy usually seem... Or a third date or whatever. Does uh, the guy usually seem surprised? Like, oh, I thought it was going... I thought we well, were, the thing is, I don't... Oh, you just ghost him? No. Okay. No, they, they, I don't usually get a response. Uh, but, but well, yes, do guys you're ever, not wrong. Like, I would say... So, yes, I've been on multiple dates since... I guess in recently, and it, I don't see most of them multiple times because I'm bored. Yeah. I am very do, bored. Do the guys make comments like, oh, this is going so well, or wow? No. Okay. No, they don't. So you don't act, okay. Like, and, and I'm always carrying yeah. the conversation. So probably in their I'm mind always like, like, um... I don't know. I'm always asking the questions and I'm engaged and they seem a little bit, maybe they're nervous or, yeah. I don't know. Because I'm just so well, like, yeah. I feel like I'm wasting my time. Oh my gosh. It's just so, I just feel like I'm wasting my time. Do you think that it's although, just- Although I'm hanging out with one of them. That's good. <laughs> right now. What? Anyways, <laughs> I won't. I won't ask. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, because what kind of what I was getting is that I feel like people like understand that like physical attraction is not symmetric. Like just because you're attracted to somebody doesn't mean that that they're attracted to you, right? Right. But people assume that conversation is symmetric, and so that like if you're carrying the conversation and have and like being engaging and charming and stuff like that, there will think of a be like, oh, that date went really well. She was so she was always no. laughing at me. She was asking lots of questions, but then. No you'll be like, no, that was boring, and they'll be kind of confused by that. They will be, because I will be, yes, I'll be, like, charismatic and engaging, but then because I won't get that reciprocation, I'll be, like, deuces. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like just me being cordial in the first meeting. Yeah. You know? Um, But that's, that's about it. Doesn't it feel like the first date's kind of the easiest? It's, it's surprising that people have so much trouble with the first date, right? Because it feels like... I actually get excited. You have your excited. entire life to talk about. I, I... The second date and the third date, that's hard. I get excited with the, the first date because... I mean, I used to be more, like, nervous and shy yeah. around people. But honestly, once you make it a norm of just, like, okay, I'm going to meet this person, 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 then it becomes exciting. Like, I love meeting Is it exciting people because, because I love, I love learning about people. Like, you just, you meet such interesting people, and you love learning about what they do, you love learning their story. Uh, like, my passion, I figured that, that out during COVID, that my passion is people. And so I just, I like, so you're like I get make bored. A podcast. I realized that, yes, I made, made a podcast for it, but I like... I'm very easily bored. Yeah. I'm so fucking easily bored. And so when I meet someone new, I'm just like, oh, there's my new toy. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of. That's a healthy way to think about other human beings. (laughs) Oh, new person, new toy to play with. I'm I'm sort of kidding. But I I just get so excited when there's like a new person. Yeah. Because I, it's just, that's just like what's fun for me. And I love learning about people. So that's that's at meetup and on dates? Or more meetup? Yeah, like, I'll literally join Hinge out of... I'll, I'll, I'll go on Hinge out of boredom. Like, that's actually how I'm trying to get some people to join this podcast. Is I'll, I'll... Like, I'm talking to a few people on Hinge right now, and I'll be like... Actually, that's part of my profile. Yeah. Is one of the first things on my profile is like, Hey, does anyone want to join my podcast where we talk about whatever the fuck we want? <laughs> And then, I'll, and then I'll get a lot of likes because they're like, sure. But then I only um, message them back if they seem interesting enough. Yeah. Like I kind of... And you'll be like, we can do the date out. later. We're going to look at the engagement. We're going to look at all the iTunes statistics. No, and no, then... no. I, I'm, I'm straight up. I'm like, I'm only doing this for the podcast, so... But if a guy's a really good podcast guest and he's good looking, wouldn't that also probably make him somebody who's would be a good but date But they're candidate? mostly not. I'm going to be honest. Good looking or, or not good podcast guest? No. Mo- Mostly not good looking. Oh, okay. So you're going more for personality. Than I'm lo- for yeah, oh yeah. I'm going for personality for the podcast. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm not it's looking. I'm on Hinge, but I'm also on Bumble Friends for yeah. Uh, this as well. Tinder's for hookups. If you're just looking for some strange, then that's that's you're just gonna be swiping on Tinder. Hinge and Bumble are straight for podcasts. Yeah, that makes a lot of. I'm I'm not on Tinder. Nah. Um. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, and do you yeah. feel like you're... Uh, were you, do, you, do you ever feel like you were a terrible conversationalist? No, I don't think I was ever a terrible conversationalist, but I definitely was 
Well, so a big problem is getting too drunk, but that's kind of separate from this. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, because nobody's, nobody's like a, a great conversationalist when they've had... That's, that's, that's just kind of the thing about just being able to say words is not the same thing as being able to... So it's like, you, you, you know, you have 12 drinks and you're like, I was talking to this girl all night and she didn't, even, she didn't even give me her number. Like, what's the problem? But then it's really just that you were just droning on about God knows what, just drenched in sweat talking about like rating all the, all the pizza places at U- university of maryland or whatever and it's just like yeah that's it's not a fun not a fun time for anybody so um yeah so that was part of it but then since then i think that it's been like a progression i think i've gotten Same. better over over time yeah right, but you you don't you haven't you actively work on it or do you think that the skill just developed just from meeting so many people? I would say the skill has developed naturally because I used to not be this good at talking to people. I was actually like, what's so freaking weird is, yeah, I was not natural. I think there's like, like I work with kids. Yeah. Some kids are just so good with people. They're like, hi, like, how yeah. are you? Like, even for just like toddler, like just for like from birth, I felt like they were so good with people. Yeah. They'll talk to anybody. I was not that person. I was actually very shy. And then once I hit puberty, when I started realizing that I was liking guys, I was like, uh-oh, I can't talk to a guy. I was like, ha, 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 ha. Like, I could not talk to guys. So I had a shit ton of girlfriends. <laughs> really? Anyways, I had a lot of girlfriends. Um, and I kind of stayed away from guys because I was just, like, very ner- nervous and awkward around them, very comfortable with girls. And it wasn't until I moved to Florida that it flipped. I didn't Which have... Is platonic friends? Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about this. Hold on. I didn't have, like, any... Uh, I don't have, like, any girlfriends while yeah. here. I just have guy friends. And I think I'm just like, fuck it. But also with, like, meetups, now I have, like... I guess I'm friends with everyone, but I'm still more close with guys yeah i was gonna ask about that whether that's something that was your whole life but you're saying it wasn't your whole life that was not why that i just have so many freaking guy friends right now yeah no no that like this is so different i've always just girls my whole life and now i come here but you went, you went to like a liberal life. arts college which is probably like 80 percent uh female, there is right? there is more yeah there's more females there uh and then you were a teacher so like most of your colleagues so right, i feel like yeah. a part of it was maybe maybe you were always naturally a guy's girl but then just out of Circumstance. Maybe. I mean, I. I you, you might be right. Or um, maybe just gender neutral, and now there's just more guys who come to the meetups for the most part. That's and, true. Meetups are kind of guy heavy. Yeah, and the and the women tend to be a little more quiet and. Awkward. That's true. Right. That's totally true. The and the guys are a little more engaging, but I also grew up with a brother who I'm very close with, and I feel like he was kind of influential on my behavior because I've definitely had some guys say, "I kind of act like a guy." I think I said that the, literally from the first five you? minutes of meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like kind of like tomboy-y. But, yeah. Or I'm very, I don't know, I'm very comfortable with guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a... Um, uh, okay, so the other thing... We're totally getting... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys are still listening. Please. <laughs> Wait, don't, don't pause it. Don't pause it. I was just seeing what... Okay, we'll have to wrap it up soon. Okay, but... okay. <laughs> you you have what so you have what people often refer to as a naturally flirtatious. No, this is relevant as a is naturally it? flirtatious behavior. 
Is that also something you've had your whole life? Or? No, my gosh, no. I have not been naturally flirtatious. I think I think being flirtatious is a part of being a conversationalist. I think that's within um, the same realm. Yeah, I can see that. If you're a good conversationalist, then yeah, I can see um, having the ability to flirt come easily. Um, but then again, like I have also not always been a great conversationalist. That's developed over time. And I think with each and every big move of mine in my life, like when I moved to college, that was my first really big move or like big chapter in my life. I got better there. Then when I got my first career, yeah. that's when I also developed even more, became a better yeah. conversationalist. Moved to Florida, even better. So I think with each and every big jump in my life, I become more confident. I'm like, all right, this is my, my big girl yeah. move. Let's level up. So, um, it's definitely developed with each stage like that. Yeah, that's true. That's why when, when, uh, people like, I think people person, well, I guess mine didn't happen till later, but I do think there's a pretty huge personality shift. Like after, like between somebody like in their early twenties that versus like 25, because we don't like in the meetups, like it's pretty much 25 to 40. And like the people who are, I think from what I've, what people have said like the, the the younger people like the 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 20s group this is what i think uh like joe said that it, what i haven't been to it's like it's more awkward like the people there are not as good in the 20s group yeah is that is that your that the younger people like people under 25 are generally not as good at, at right conversations? Like, yeah and i would say i was more awkward like five years ago yeah it's just again it's practice it's growing up yeah. It's experiencing different things, and that comes with time. Yeah. So now we're both mature adults, roughly the same age. <laughs> same, we're both millennials, so... Okay. Uh, kind of. Uh, yeah, so we both uh, really learned a lot. Yeah, high five. High five. We're the best. Ouch. <laughs> Anyways, um, Jacob, thank you so much for joining me today on... Uh, this podcast on how to be a better conversationalist. Um, I hope you listeners out there enjoyed, and please listen next time on Sit Down, Shut Up, and Listen.